Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting to somebody who I have had the pleasure of meeting via a mutual friend who I can call Martin Teasdale. Um, brought me and David together. It was uh, well, they didn't actually bring us together. I observed and saw and, and listened to uh, to David's conversation with Martin, and then I want. I wanted to know a little bit more about it. And finally, I've been able to pin him down, lock him in a room, and we're going to have that conversation today. So, Mr. David Holmes, welcome to Business Problem Solved. How are you? I'm I'm above average for a Friday. You know, I think I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chat, but also with any good sort of hope that the weather's just nice enough in Scotland we can enjoy it, but not yeah. so warm that we feel that we're English. Yeah, I <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> So for those people who don't know who David Holmes is, who is he and how has he got to that seat today? Well, I guess um, who I am, I'm closing into a big milestone as a number, as an age. So I've been about for a wee bit late, but I think um, I started my career um, a long, long time ago as a heavy goods driver, which I wasn't very good at. So I stopped doing that before I crashed into anything else. And, and, I, and I started a career in the contact centre a long time ago. And since then, I've just worked in customer operations across sales, service, digital, you name it. Um, I've had my finger in the proverbial pie across uh, some of the biggest companies that we've got in the UK. Some of the smallest at times, I've done a wee bit of consulting. And at the moment, I'm working at, at Cigna Healthcare, which is a, a whole health company. And we, we try and look after people in, in a wider sort of insurance sense, but also, I guess, people's well-being. So it's great to be here. Um, I think I'm at that point in my career now where I've worked with lots of different people, led large organisations. So you name it, I've probably seen it, but the, the, the one adage we say, and you know well, is that just when you think you've seen it all, somebody comes along and shows you something new. So you should always yeah. be expecting that and always waiting for a bit of it. And I should finish, I also, um, I've, I've got a couple of high-achieving kids that keep me on my toe as well. Now, I, I think um, we're, we're now in a space where they're 18 and 21 almost, respectively, and um, yeah, they're hard work and expensive, which means I need to keep working, Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason to keep going. No, amazing, amazing. Do you see yourself as successful? That's a brilliant question. Didn't expect you to ask it like that. Um, yes and no. Um, I, I, I think that I've still got things I want to achieve, Lee. I think that's probably why I would say no in the sense of um, I've got some personal projects I'm working on. Um, I think from a career-wise, yeah, I mean, I would never have envisioned that I'm doing what I'm doing now, but Actually, I'm, I'm friends with quite a lot of people who look and feel the same, so to speak. You know, they, they started their careers at the very entry level of the business, uh, which they started in, and they're either running big businesses, they're um, entrepreneurs, or they're just simply just crushing it, doing their own thing. And, and it's brilliant to see, but it depends how you measure success, right? You know, yeah. I think against my own barometer, I think I've done it. Um, but every time I get into a new role, I think, oh, I could do more, right? And, and I've not stopped thinking that, Lee, which probably gets me into all sorts of scrapes and um, and challenges, but in a good way, you know. So, yeah. yes and no. And, and I think if the measure of success is 
for the most part you're happy, then I think I'm doing okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm Scottish. We're naturally pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there's a joke about being Scottish saying when you're born and you come out and you say, is this it? But I think um, that notwithstanding, yeah. I, I'm in a good space. I think I've got a, a decent quality of life. But actually, mostly, I, I'm just, just happy to be working with the people I work with, but also happy of the family and the friends that I do that um, give me everything else I need. So, yeah, I'm in a good space. I wish I could play those guitars better, but outside of that, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'd say I'm doing all right. Yeah, no, I love that. Love that. And the reason why I ask it quite normally, um, that question comes a little bit later into the conversation, but when you were yep. sharing your, your whistle-stop tour, as a, like that is really successful, worked in some of the, the, the massive um, companies and brands in the, in the UK now, working on a, on a global stage and... And then, and and to then also bring up successful, um, high achieving children as well. I thought that is that sounds like a successful guy. So I, I wanted to ask and really understand whether you were. And when you give your answers so far, people have come across, and your passion for what you do has come across in, in the, the early stages. Well, what is it that makes you so passionate and talk so passionately about what you do? You, you know what, you, you have caught me out with all the reason the question. I'm thinking about what you do. You, you know, it's interesting. You talk about success, and I hadn't really thought about it because particularly in the UK, we're, we're, quite, we're, we're, we're quite modest in a different way, right? So I've worked in sales a lot, so you learn how to tell your story in certain ways in certain situations to get the outcome you want. Yeah. Um, but, but typically, you, you don't always sell it there. So if, you, if you've done your CV, you would talk about it quite transactionally quite, quite often. And, and I actually had an interview with a different company last year who'd, who'd asked me to apply for a job, I'd applied for it, and they offered it to me, and I spoke to one of, one of their American senior executives, and he said such a wonderful thing. He says it's such a privilege to look at your CV and talk to you about it. And I thought, what, what, an, what, what a phenomenal compliment to wow. get from someone, and I kept that with me, and I thought, maybe I should take a wee bit of time to appreciate it. I think the, the reality is when you live in the situation, I think if you can stay in that moment, it's good. Now, you and I, we've been around the block a little bit, right? And I mean that in the nicest way, but I've met lots of people who are so ambitious that they take the eye off of what they do at the moment. You know, I, I, I and, and I've worked with people who said, if you love what you do, you'll not work another day in your life. Now, I've worked loads of days in my life. I don't always love what I do, but I've learned to love and fall in love with the businesses I've worked with. You go and find the thing that generates something in you. So, Quite often, whether I'm doing it for a personal reason or I'm, or I'm, I'm looking to coach it in, is what is it excites you about what you're doing? Why? I love working with people, Lee. You know, I think I'm very curious about what people do, how they do it, how they achieve what they do, and a bit like yourself, try to find out more. Yeah. Um, earlier in my career, I think the passion came from just that pure desire to learn more and more and more and do more and, and get involved. And I think I've always had a strong work ethic, I would say, even... For anybody who ever listens to this that maybe work with me and, and, and get a different sense of me is that the one thing nobody would ever be able to say is I don't work out. When I'm really on it, there can be an intensity and I've got to be careful with that. Like I've got to dial that up and down depending on the, the situation. But I, I think that hard work has just driven me, you know, and then I've become just passionate, right? I mean, my view of the world is if you're going to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours, right? And there's been things in my career I've done 80 hour weeks. You, you need to find passion for that. If you're just grinding it, you need to go and find something else to do, which is easier said than done, right? If you think about the challenges we all face, people can't just walk up and leave a job and find a job. It doesn't work like that. So for as long as you're doing something, find something you can do to love about it. Your passion should come for that. 
Um, but right at the beginning, I mean, I even think about when I started out, what I was passionate about was making more money, Lee, yeah. because I had a family to look after. You know, yeah. that was my that was my priority. That was my purpose. Um, but I think as you go along, you're like, yeah, it's actually really interested. It's expanding me. It's I'm learning new things. I'm doing new things. I'm 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 supporting people, and to the point where I am now. And again, just whistling through it. Hopefully, it answers about the question. But whistling through it is that I genuinely think that the role I, I get to do now, I should it should be about doing good. It should be about giving back a little bit, Lee. You know, it, yeah. it's not about taking. You know, and I think if I can keep that ethos for as long as I do it, and in my head, I've got another, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years max doing this, then I'm going to go into a sort of semi-retirement state <laughs> and, and just wind down a bit. Um, he says, and, and I think that I want to do more. I want to give back for everybody who ever gave to me. Um, I want to make sure that whatever I touch or do improves what I found or did. Because I, I think that, that 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 should be your aspiration as a leader, you know, and that's why you carry that passion. So, Long answer to a short question, right? But I'm hopeful it gives a bit yes. of deeper context about how I think about it. It does, and it, it, it you sparks another another question. And and I, I just touched on before, and, and you just met you said in the answer that you love people. Um, and you said at the start of your career, you were you were chasing it was the money that was the motivator. Was there a moment in your career where you or or have you always? loved people or is there a moment where it's kind of like as it developed over time is there a moment that's kind of gone actually it's all about people um or yeah just talk talk to us about about that there's a lot in what you've asked there um Lee. i think i think naturally i'm quite introverted you know if you left me on advice if you left me to this office stroke area that was my daughter and i shared for a while which i've sort of commandeered now is that um if you left me in here all day i would find stuff to do all day i don't I don't naturally feel the need to be in people's company, and it's all. And it was worse when I was younger. You know, I was, I was, I could be quite a loner at times. And and I think when I first that job at the airport that I talked to when I drove the truck, you were compelled to talk to people because you were interacted face to face. So you, you couldn't hide anywhere. And look, I, I like a bit of banter. I like involved. And then you find that actually, I don't. This isn't so hard. You know, you can do it. I can be in people's company and be social and that sort of stuff. And and. It, I think I naturally became a bit more gregarious from that, yeah. you know, and I think I've enjoyed that part of it. I think even even at the early days of my corporate career, um, even though I wanted to progress so I could earn more money, I also wanted to learn. I wanted to do the job. I wanted to work with people. But even back then, I thought I've got something I can offer, you know, that, that that's useful for people that I've done it. And like a lot of people who start a leadership career, I was really good at the job I did and I got a chance, chance to lead doing the job that I did previously. People who done that. Um, and also I could give a bit back to them even then to say, you're making 100 quid a week bonus just now, right? I can help you make 150, yeah. you know, if you if you follow these steps. And th- th- there's a natural reward to that, Lee, and you'll know yourself when when you put something back into a person or a business is that that's the satisfaction in it. And and I think particularly when, when you gravitate through all the different sort of roles, there'll, there'll be lots of times in your career if you lead people where they let you down. You know, people will let you down. You need to accept that that happens. It's not personal. Most of the time, it's not personal. It's people being human beings and doing what human beings do. Um, at the beginning of my career, I took it dead personal. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? All that sort of stuff. But people's lives change and they need to do stuff. But I think for me, it's, the reward for me is seeing people I've worked with progress their career. It's, it's people either side by side that have worked for me or I've worked for them, 
seeing them getting on. I think I think there's enough room in the world for all of us, Lee. Really, if if that's something people want, it's. I think the pandemic saw so this explosion of people wanting for themselves, which I think is phenomenal to see. I think sometimes the stories you hear are not quite what you think they are. I think I think working for yourself is is, is tough. And I know myself well enough to know that I perform better, ironically, as a loner in environments with people. Yeah, you know, it's it's that quirk, that dichotomy you've got to sort of kind of um, deal with because I am far better in a team environment than I am left to my own devices for too long. Yeah, because I, I become really detailed and really focused and really intense, and you need that sort of um, release of what with people, the creativity they've got, the 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 influence of new ideas. You know, I think one of the things that I've came to really appreciate and, and learn more about as my careers went on is I'm not always right. You know, I think um, it's that statement, isn't it? I'm not always, I'm not often wrong, but I'm right again. You yeah. can't think like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's you, you've got to get in a space where you're like, I actually really like the fact you're challenging what I'm thinking. Uh, um, and, and, and kind of going for that point where you get really fixed and closed-minded opinions, they have an open mind and, having strong opinions, but holding them loosely enough that somebody can change in. See the energy I get for that. You can hear it even just now. I still love it. Yes. You know, and, and I love it if one of my team says stuff like, yeah, I don't agree with you. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's go. Let's get into it. Let's find out what that is. And that harmonious friction sort of generate, generates my passion. And you know what? I hope I never lose it, right? Because almost to a person, everybody says, yeah, you've got a passion for it. I'm like, well, my question went back to lots of people would be like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? You know, so that's how it's kind of went along. I hope that makes yeah. sense in some yeah, way. No, in my head, it does. It, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And you've said some some amazing things so far around um, the importance of people, the importance of passion, the importance of continual learning, the importance of. I, I love how you said the. Um, what was it? What was the phrase you used there for friction? How much? What was it about the friction bit? H- harmonious friction, right? So yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, some people call it conflict, I, I, don't they? <laughs> You know what? And I, I remember doing a course years ago. I was while I was at RBS, and they used to. It was like Helmsley Fraser with the, the, the big learning group, I think. And what they used to do is they used to bring in like freelancers to cover the courses because it's so much work. And one of the courses they had did a child psychologist running it, and the guy was a wee bit of a maverick. He didn't really cover the coursework. He got the handbook, and he just spent a day telling us what he thought about the world. And there was loads in it, and. Um, I, I think some of the stuff that he did challenged the way that I thought about the world, right? So, if you get, I, I like a good debate, right? Um, but you name it, I'll debate it: politics, work, <laughs> yeah. football, sports. I, I'm happy to do it. I accept that I'm not always right, but I like I like the sport of the debate. Um, and and I, I think from that perspective is what you need to try and get in a space is you don't take it personal. And I have in the in the past, particularly. I was going to say earlier in my career I did that, but it's not unique to that, Lee. I think there's been times in my career where I have to take stuff personal and I've maybe retaliated if, if that's not too strong a word. Yeah. But I think when you start using words like conflict or you start using words like feedback, uh, good feedback and positive feedback, I don't agree with it. And this guy was saying stuff like, there isn't such a thing as positive feedback. There's only negative feedback. And by definition... There's only negative feedback or constructive negative feedback <laughs> because feedback by general is typically around about something people want you to improve on or their observation of things, something they think could be better or is negative to them. This is the opposite of it's not positive feedback, it's positive affirmation. And I think that subtle nuance, and look, it's me being pedantic probably on the words, but that's how I see it. And 
one of the things I try and coach my teams is don't give positive affirmation without context. So I can say, oh, well done, Lee, that's brilliant. And you think, well, great, you said well done. But how much better would it say, well done, Lee, that podcast you done the other day was brilliant because you picked up on the points about people, the, the language, et cetera, et cetera, and, and start deepening that relationship with it. And it becomes the reverse engineering of, I guess, feedback, right? Yes. The feedback's important. Um, but as I was saying, I, I think I actually mentioned to Mark as well, is that I'm not always going to do something with feedback if you give me it. Because it's your feedback. It's not mine. It's your yeah. feedback on me. And then if you say to me, look, David, I really don't like it when you come into the office and punch me in the face. I need to take that on board, right? That's something I shouldn't probably be doing. Yeah. But if you say, David, I really don't like it when you go into a five-minute monologue, I might change that to four minutes, 59. I might not change it that much. It depends how you see it. And I think I've got better understanding that as I've got older. We yeah. Right at the beginning, if somebody gave me feedback, I was away running about trying to fix everything about myself. And at some point, you've just got to put a line and say, here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses, and here's my watch fours, you know. But the language, I think, is important on it. And this guy taught me loads of stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, yeah. how lucky am I? I'm sitting yeah. here, I'm getting paid to be in this room. This guy's educating me. And, and I had lots of moments like that in my career, which were phenomenal, you know. Yeah, no, I love I love that as well because I um, often so doing doing what I do. I was in a workshop um, uh, probably about a month ago now, and, and it was a it was a change workshop, a high performing team, and, and a change workshop. And and somebody in there said, "Oh, I don't like the word change because it means that what we're doing now is not right." Um, and and we do a lot of good stuff right, and then somebody else said, "Well, it's, we just we just mean improvement." And what you just said there about the language is is key to it all, and our language is built on our experiences and and how we've interpreted interpreted those words in the past and, and stuff like that. Language is a, huh? is a is a massive a massive thing, isn't it? How do you? I guess yes. as a leader in a in a, in a large organisation with loads of people, um, how do you? ensure the intent of your message is received in the way that you've intended it? I, I, I think, like, again, early, early lessons in different parts of my career, but setting good context is, is so powerful for, for leaders. I think you talked about change there, Lee. Like, the only thing all of us are guaranteed is some sort of change, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you can look at it in all sort of aspects, whether it's personal or professional or some all the stuff in between. We, we can't stay static. The world evolves, the world turns, the world is a very precocious place at the moment. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, but from a leadership perspective, when I, I, setting that positive intent, I, I think it's how you, you carry the message, how you plan the message. And I would still say that even to this day, I, as much as a lot of stuff's muscle memory, I still take the time to plan it. What do I want to say? Why do I want to say it? And what's the outcome I want? You know, yeah. those things are ingrained in me, you know, through time. I, I love the power of three. I try not to overcomplicate things either when I'm, when I'm dealing with team stuff. Is, um, quite often from a change or, or, or a business perspective, you can walk in and there's lots of problems. And what you do is you start going, right, okay, we've got a problem there and a problem there. And before you know it, you've got like 400 things in a line and a spreadsheet that you want to look at. And, and, and I think common mistakes is going after too much of it too quickly. I think it's, it's about getting in there and, and, and matrixing it and looking at what your priority is and where you're going to spend the time and energy. And then that becomes where you draw your message from because the positive intent in that change is to make people's lives better. So from my perspective, I try to get, and, and I do express this to my teams to a space where it's not about saving money for saving money's sake. 
it's about finding opportunity to reduce wastage, if you like, from from a, a process perspective, yeah. to reinvest in them and our business and yeah. our customers. And and I think I tend to lead with customer, right? I'm a customer of many, many companies. Yeah. I expect good service and I understand the businesses I run would expect the same. And I've I've worked to many. And there's been times when all of those businesses have been through periods of difficulty or um, been too busy for having more demand than they can cope with. That happens in businesses, right? And anybody who thinks it doesn't, doesn't understand business. It's, it's, it's how it works. My job is to say, look at that optimistically and say, here's what we can do to improve it. Here's what I would like us to do. But also accept it and, and really encourage challenge to it. So anybody else have any sort of suggestions about what we should do? And, and really kind of get to that space where people trust you enough to, to want to do it. And, and I spoke to somebody about this last year. Is I, I, I do genuinely believe that psychological safety is important. You know, I'm fortunate enough now that I'm almost at that age. As I say, that milestone's coming up. It's not far away. I've still got a wee bit of time, but not far. That I'm not that worried too much about what people think of me as an individual in terms of whether they like me or not or that sort of stuff. I, I don't go in my way to upset anybody. Just don't take the wrong connotation for that. But I mean. If I know that the purpose and the motive is pretty purely, I'll yeah. go after it. What I've tried to be, in particularly the last couple of years, is a bit more sensitive to others about it. Um, I have got myself in a situation before where my motive's so pure, what I'm trying to do is, is, is really solid on people and customer. And I've upset stakeholders because I've just been so intense and so focused on it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you can make everybody love you, right? So mm. it's getting that balance between professionalism Focus on the people, the customer, setting some great context, and then the purpose, right? And if you if you can land all those things, and it's a real sweet spot, right? Particularly if you're leading like global teams when you're, you're dealing with different cultural nuances as well, and the world's your oyster, right? But look, I, I've worked in operations long enough to know that most operations culturally go through cycles, and and will always go through periods of demand fluctuation, um, and will always go through periods of system integration, change a process, change a product line, tariff changing, you name it. And, and anybody that says they don't like change doesn't realise they're actually living in a world of change. And, and, and this is the last bit I'd say on it because you used the word change. I think it's really powerful. It's about acceptance. Accept the circumstances you've, you've got in terms and your need to, to make it as good as it can be. And I think you do that and then it becomes easy. It's not even change, is it? The words, the words are irrelevant, but some, and I learned this in the job I'm in, and I really like it. It's um, some of the Belgian team that I work with use this as a, as a terminology. And I love how I'm really, really fortunate just nearly. I get to work with people who use English as a certain language and then they interpret it and use it back to a different And you think, oh, I'm really interested in that, right? But they'd say, but what, what is it you take an allergic reaction to? <laughs> Whereas we'd probably say, what is it winds you up, right? So it's what is it you take an allergic reaction to? And, and like, I'll be honest, if people cross my values about people, they can get my back up. You know, I can become allergic to it. You know, I'm really that way that I'm like, we should more people should have the people's voice, more people should have the customer's voice. Um, and I've got to be mindful of it because people get all, we've all got a role to play, you know. But I think change and, and what change can do. And and here's the flip, right? And and I often talk about this is what's your future history, Lee? Right? If you shut your eyes and you look at 12 months, what does it look like for you? Yeah. You know, and I can see it. And But part of your job, I think, as a senior leader is to help people see future forward, bring them back in and say, right, okay, what do we do to get there? 
And typically now, um, and lots of people who have worked with me will say this, I'll say, right, if you've only got 12 months to do this job, what are you going to do in it? What's important to you? Yeah. And then it, it really focuses you in and it helps you. So I'm really intrigued with the, the language you use then. You've just, you've just said um, forward history. Forward history. And those two words together, I don't think I've, I've heard them together before. I, I talk about um, forward framing and, and 12 months and stuff, but I, I love the, the vision that I had in my head when you said about forward history because it's what you're going to remember about what you do going forward. I love that. Is that, is that a David Holmesism? Or is that something else you picked up along the journey? No, like, I'd love to say a lot of stuff's my original content, Lee. You know, I think I, I, I like to, what is it you call it, borrow stuff with pride. I, I like to magpie as I go along, pick up all the silver pennies, right? I, I worked with a company in Glasgow um, who have subsequently been bought by one of the big consultancies. I'll not name them because um, I, I've not asked them about it, but... They, they, they introduced the thing when we were doing a bit of a course with a leadership team that's called My Future History, and you'd write yourself a letter saying in 12 months. But I've been familiar with the concept, but I really like the language of that. Yeah. So it's yeah. My Future History, and then it fits into how, how do you do it as a team. So you've got your own future history, but also your team. Like for the beginning of leadership, I was taught to envision it's there. It's the whole golf adage, isn't it, about see the putt, see it going in the hole, that type of thing. But it's like that, just bigger, right? So... I often think when you come into any business, and, and I've done it a few times, I've jumped from different types of businesses, um, really, really interesting and intriguing types of businesses to work from, but you actually have to learn what the business does over and above leading people. And and, and I think that if you're able to go, right, okay, I'm going to see beyond the immediacy of the problem <laughs> and think, yeah. what would I like it to be now that I know a little bit about it? Um, and you kind of move yourself out of that 36 to 90 day framework into that whole, okay, a year or two year, whatever time frame you want to do. Now, I would also say don't confuse that with a five-year plan or a three-year plan. I've never had a three-year plan, never had a five-year plan. I think um, I, I kind of just intuitively know when it's time for me to do something different now. And and I think experience and, and my own future history, as it speaks, has taught me that once you make a bold move for the first time, it becomes easier to do it the second and third and the fourth and the fifth. Um, getting over your own internalism and fear about it is there. And I actually think thinking forward like that helps you. So I found myself, I think I mentioned, I'm, I'm doing a bit of writing just now. I took up creative writing in lockdown. Um, and probably at one point I had about, I don't know, a couple of, maybe two or three, 400 sort of poems and, and, and short sort of kind of essays and all that written, just, just playing about with it. Most of it was for fun, right? Just yeah. to kill the time because like everybody else, I was locked in, right? Yeah. Um, and I've started to do that just for my own personal sort of growth and engagement. But I found myself the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bit of writing just now and I've set myself this goal this year of doing it. And every year when I come into a yearly, I set myself three goals and I put them in black and white and I email them to myself. So the whole think and ink type yeah. philosophy, you put it down and write, you're more likely to do it. And um, one of them is to finish this particular bit of writing by the end of the uh, end of the first half of the year. So I'm, I'm already out now. I've already gave myself a reasonable reason for doing that. Yeah. So I had to go back in and I've set myself an email saying, here's the goals. Um, I want you to finish writing that first draft by the end of August. You want to be able to lift 120, deadlift 120 kilo by the end of August set myself that goal because my son's getting me into the weights yeah. and, and all these types of things and, and and not try and do too much but think forward about right well if I do that 120 by then on the kilo and I'm doing the benching and I'm doing the, the, the dumbbells again what am I going to look like next year's holiday 
You know, yeah. and look, I'm not I'm not trying to be like an Adonis. I'm just trying to get myself in the shape that I want to be in. Um, and I think there's something about the visualization of it that gives it power. But it's also right. that whole you've written to yourself, you've told yourself this is what you're going to do. You're going to do it because we can all procrastinate, right? I certainly do. Um, and I just need sometimes that wee bit impetus. Sometimes I'll need somebody to help me. You know, and what 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 you learn is, I hope most leaders learn this is. It's okay to bring people in for the outside to look at their business and be cr- critical of it and, and challenging, challenging the good in a positive way. It's also okay if somebody to lean on when you need a bit of inspiration and support to hit your objectives. These things are, are not weaknesses, they're strengths. You know, and I think I've got that. And, and part of that future history stuff was there. And I was so fortunate, right? I, I got to work with some amazingly talented people um, and that particular piece of work. And, uh, when I did that piece of work in Glasgow, the team that I had were, were amazing. They just went for it. Um, some of the stuff I asked them to do was a little bit crazy. We were using we were using agile methodology at the time, Lee. Yeah. And I said, "How about we celebrate our first birthday party with a video?" And 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 it's us doing parodies of, of movies because obviously I worked in a, a TV entertainment company, right? Yeah. Um, and they were like, they, they all kind of looked at me and you're you're a little bit mad. I went, "No, oh, <laughs> we use the agile. We'll learn how to do the dance." And we released this video for our first birthday party, and it was just it's probably the most fun I've ever had. And doing what right. we've done a parody of like Braveheart and Rocky and Footloose and stuff like that. And, and we, we learned all the moves and the scripts using what methodology. So you don't need to do it, it just need to all be on, on the line. Yes. What do you want to look like? Why? And I think the language you use of yourself with that and the story that you tell yourself, Lee, becomes really yeah. powerful. Yeah, completely. Completely. What we talk about. So let's talk about your past, actually. So, because when you received that feedback about it was an absolute privilege to read your CV, right? So your CV is documented of, of your of your past, of your your history, your future, uh, your your past history. And what is it that you think that people saw in you to allow you to create this history? I think people see the energy, right? I've got a lot of energy, Lee. You know, I think um, maybe not as much as I did like 15, 20 years ago in terms of physical energy. But I think in terms of mental energy, I've got a lot to give. And I, I think even way back in, in my time as an advisor, a couple of things stuck with me, you know, is somebody asks you to do something, most of the time just say yes. What's the worst that can happen, Lee? Now, fortunately, and I look at it as a good fortune is, when I was a teenager, um, I was attacked and, and almost killed. You know, that, that was a thing that happened, right? So, well, I could well, say almost, right? I, I wasn't, so I'm clearly still here. So sometimes when it's in a bad day, I'm thinking, right, it's, it's not as bad as your worst ever day. So saying yes to stuff could never lead to as bad a day as that. Now, it's, it's, a, it's an anchor. It's, it's, a, it's a mental check, and I've got to keep a bit of perspective. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is most of the time when you say yes to a project or an interesting thing, a, people look at you and go, well, fair play, this person's willing to do some stuff, it's got a good attitude. Um, and, and, and B, I think they get exposed to you and how you are, and that sort of grows. And I think carrying that energy, that enthusiasm is something I've always had. But I'm, as you said, I'm passionate, so I will express myself. I'm not not fearful of the consequences because I, I think a life lived's better sharing your feelings about stuff, whether they're positive or negative, than sitting on top of them and having lumps coming out your neck because you're pushing down your true feelings. Yeah. And, and people know they get honest with me. And I'd, I'd say there's three things that I, I think people would legitimately say that I'm, I am honest, right? Good, bad, and indifferent. I'll tell you what I think. Um, and, and I've become less filtered on it as my careers went. So initially, you take your first leadership career and you're, 
you're, you're kind of navigating when all the management speak to try and say, I don't like that. Yeah. And I just say, like, listen, that doesn't work for me and can we talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm really open-minded. Now, I think for a period of time, the one bit I think people didn't always get from me was that I was open-minded because when I believe something, I'm so passionate about it that I'll, I'll argue my case until I'm wrong, right? Yeah. It's just who I am and I want people to feel the same and argue against it and then convince me I'm wrong. But I'm actually yeah. really open-minded to it. And, and I think the last thing I would say that, that and, and it's dead easy, you can use it as an acronym and it wasn't even purposeful, is I'm really willing. There's no much I will only try. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 like if you ask me to do it, I'm like, yeah, give that a go. And you know, and, and that's why I've ended up doing things like this is if people ask me, I generally say it's, it's Wayne's world, isn't it? If they build it, they'll come, right? So people know I'm willing. So that on, honesty, open mindedness and, and, and willingness, it's, it's a, it, it, it spells how, I suppose, right? But that's how I do it. And, yeah. and in my head, I'm just like, yeah. And look, as it's went along, there's been times where people have said stuff like, um, you, you've got a bit of edge or you've got this thing. And I, I don't know. I don't see that. I think how other people see you is always different from yourself. I just see myself the same way I've always really done as a guy that's willing to come in and do the best that he can while he's there and, and, and try and do the right thing. That yeah. doesn't mean to say I've always done the right thing or always got it rightly because none of these are perfect. I'm a long way short of it. I've got myself into situations before that I've regretted over the course of time or things that I've got any sort of kind of, I don't know, back and forward, tit for tat stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That even looking back on it, I'm going, really, did I do that? You know, yeah. and and, and as I think it comes back to what I said earlier is because I thought my motive was pure. I couldn't get in my head, well, maybe that other person thought that. And and I think that's where it's coming back again, going, right, okay, I've got an open mind and, and a kind of flag. But, but hopefully those things give a bit of context to, to where it is. Oh, the, the one thing I would also say, and, and particularly it, more so in the sales environment and the service, and I think I would always describe myself as a salesman who does service as opposed to a serviceman who does sales, right? But yeah. the truth is, the, the two things are interconnected and, and not interchangeable, in my opinion. You need to be able to do both. But I think uh, from a sales perspective, one of the things that's always helped me is, is achieving, right? You've, if you want to lead, you need to have some form of achievement over a period of time. Now, for, for me, irrespective of what it is, it's, it's about people and delivering through people and supporting people to be their best. Sometimes you need to help people find their happiness elsewhere as well, Lee. That's part mm. of the gig. You know, a lot of people take a job and they're not happy in it. And then all, all that sort of stuff that comes with it sort of forms around about it. And, and you've really got three options. Is one, help them be happy with what they're doing. Two, improve the environment that makes it a happier place to work and people can go on board with it. Or three, really help them understand that that's what's driving them in happiness. It's not the people or the business or any of that yeah. stuff. It's their own their own mindset and, and maybe they would be better doing something else. And yeah. I've used that myself, Lee, when I've not been happy. I, I had a friend that gave me a quote one time. I, I'll not mention the company. I mentioned went, I had six, I had 13 great years at such and such. He says, but I worked there for 16. Right. You, you know, and I, yeah. I think it, it made me think, yeah, don't stay when you're unhappy. Try and find a way to move on, you know. Yes. Really powerful, really powerful. Yeah, and thank you for sharing the how of David Holmes as well. I think that's uh, yeah, re really good. So those were three words that 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 you um, have, have defined, have, have described you and your your approach. What three words would your children? How would they describe you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> depends, right? I mean, look, I'm at that age. By the time I was old enough to realise my dad was right, I had a son that thought I was wrong, right? Yeah. And, and I thought that was pretty cool because it's that generational thing. So 
I think I think they think I'm still fun. You know, I, I, I'm I'm the fun guy. I'm the guy that does all the roller coasters and because I still love it. I'm probably like Homer Simpson when the ice cream van comes. I'm yeah. first there, right? <laughs> I'm I'm dragging them. Can you not walk quicker? We'll get more rides in. So they, they still kind of see me as fun, and they'll come to me for that sort of stuff. I think I think they think I'm. I might be over talking it. They think I'm smart enough to talk to the stuff. So every now and again, my son will start talking to me about physics stuff, and then I'll go. Okay, conceptually, I'm with you. Yeah. But you lose me after a couple of minutes, you get into detail. But he respects me enough to talk to me on a level where he thinks that he's there. And he's clearly a very intelligent guy, as is my daughter. And my daughter's like, super fun and got a great sense of humour and very talented musically, which is some of the stuff she uses more than I do these days. And I think yeah. we share that energy. So, for example, I was with her at the Eagles concert recently, and right. she must have been one of the youngest people there but she comes back and she picks up the ute and she can just automatically think about it. Play. So it's so smart and fun. And I think I think the last one, and I think this is important, is, and I don't mean it as boring a word as it sounds, but really dependable. You know, they can count on me. So my daughter's prom recently, um, they, they went to a hotel for it with the school. Her and her boyfriend, the taxi didn't come, right? Now, I don't know how anybody else feels, but my daughter's 18 and we have to pick her up with a boyfriend and take them to a hotel and then drop them off. That's not your favourite thing to do as a dad, right? Yeah. But she knew she could phone me and I would get out of my bed and I'd go and pick her up and I'd be there. And I think I think my kids know that I'll be there for them. So I think that's really important. And look, they'd probably say three different words. They'd probably laugh at you leaving like him, really. And I, I, I think I love the fact that they can they can pretty much say it to me and it's not a drama, right? It, yeah. Yeah, it's not a free-for-all. You can't just be saying whatever you want. But in the sense of anybody talk about they can, I don't push them too hard and... I, I took this very defined approach with both the kids, Lee, that I just wanted them to be happy in what they were doing and if they changed curve or any of that. My, my career start. I left school at 16 and then started working um, on the back of a real childhood trauma, you know, and, and you find where you're supposed to be, you know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm a, cam, a karma guy, right, but I, I, I do kind of feel, and I was saying this to my boss, because I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. You know, and I do believe that well, even if those things are hard and challenging at times part of your career, it works its way out, right? As long as you keep all those other things with you. And I think that's what I said to the kids, right? So they're pursuing what they want. They do see me as a wee bit of the financer of that activity. I've got a card here um, that's sitting there. It's from my daughter. It says, um, I've kept it. It's my father's day. And it yeah. just says, look, look, thanks for loving me, despite the fact that I keep you on the edge of financial disaster, yeah. which is fair, right? That's a yeah. fair comment. So, so, so yeah, that, that's a great question. What would your kids say? I'm going to keep that. I'm going to magpie that to somebody at some point. Yeah, no, honestly, um, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today. You've got, you, you spoke right at the start of the conversation about um, giving back. And I, I think you've got so much to give back and, and stuff and and just there's there's value throughout this whole conversation if people are ready to listen to some of the things that you've said and open-minded enough and coming back to your your, your house stuff. so i just want to say thank you so much two final quick questions um go for it what does a um um i don't i don't know how to uh how to best describe you what what does a passionate scotsman director of operations Master CV writer, um, have for his tea. Uh, I started cooking during lockdown as well. So I, I'm a big, like, I'm a spice guy, I'm a savoury guy, savoury over sweetly, you know. So yeah. I like a good curry. Um, I am trying to eat healthy, I'm trying to put more greens and stuff like that into the diet. 
So yeah, anything from probably better telling you what I don't eat. I, I don't eat shellfish. I can't yeah. eat them. It's just it's just too hard. It's hard work, right? I'm not interested. I need to get there quicker. Um, but typically, it's 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 chicken, it's fish, it's it, I've I've cut down red meat. You know, so what's on the menu like tonight? That. I don't know. We've not been shopping, and, and my son he he's a unit, right? So he's um he he eats his way through anything that's not 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 locked into the the, the yeah. sink. But I think probably tonight maybe a wee bit of salmon. Um, we're a bit sad. I think when it's warm, I like to try and take it easier and nothing too heavy. But look, nothing. I, I, I'm a big advocate for the air fryers. If you get them, make some of your own chips these days. I like them. They're not as not as bad yeah. for you. And I do like a good chip, Lee, you know. <laughs> um, but, but back in the day, I mean, like, being Scottish and that, like, I can't say that, um, I don't want to live up to stereotypes, but like a good swally and a, a good chippy was, was yeah. a Friday night, you know, but not so much now as I get older and I need to watch what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I mean, you've said so many amazing quotes throughout this whole conversation, but I think my favourite one is, I do like a good chip. Um, ah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, final, final question. Um, if people want to know more, understand more, learn more about you, uh, where would they go? What would they do? What would they find? I, I tend to keep a low profile beyond LinkedIn. I post maybe once or twice, and it's just posing questions, Lee. You know, I think, I, I, I genuinely mean it. I'm curious about people's point of view. I'm not, I'll share mine, and then I'm saying, right, well, what do you think, right? And, and you'll know that yourself, you've interacted with some of it. So they can find out more about me there. Every now and again, I probably do it once or twice a year, I offer some free one-to-ones, um, just, just free, right? I, I'm, I'm doing it purely just, just for the sake of giving back a little bit. Of, and occasionally I'll, I'll do some mentorship if the if the cause is willing and somebody's committed enough. I've done that a few times. Um, but yeah, reach out. I mean, look, I, I get, probably like you, I get, I get so many DMs on LinkedIn, most of the time, it's a cold sales pitch, and, and 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 it feels cold, right? So, what what I have learned to be as cut is I, I read lots of people saying, "Don't message me; I'll not message you back." I'm like, just say thanks for asking, but it doesn't work for me. It's not a hardship because LinkedIn does it for you, right? You only need to click the button if you're not yeah. interested. So, I I think I'll always sort of respond if, if people want to know more. Then just reach out to me through that channel. That that's good. Other than that, I mean, look, I, I would say to anybody who's watching this who's genuinely interested is. Be curious, right? Go and go and find out what else is out there. I mean, I think I've talked about how and I use it, but three words I would use to describe me that my kids probably wouldn't is I'm resourceful, I'm resilient, and I'm relentless, right? So yeah. when I get something in my head, I go and look for it. And, and and that's the kind of people that gravitate towards me, what you have to say. Yeah, no, I love it. Honestly, I just want to say thank you so much for uh for no, giving your you time today. Me. Amazing conversation. I've got so much from you and uh just good luck with your future history. Yeah, listen, I need to go and it's, it's an ongoing process, but thank you. And look, great to speak to you, Lee. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.